I also think people often just get up and say like, oh, well, I want to talk about this, but they're not thinking about the listener. And podcasting is really all about the listener. Hey everyone, I'm Emily Reagan, and you've discovered Unicorns Unite. This is a podcast for freelancers, service providers, virtual assistants, and curious listeners who would like to experience the freedom and flexibility of working virtually. We're the magic makers, movers and shakers, and the real people doing the work behind the scenes of online businesses. Welcome to Unicorns Unite. Hey, 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 welcome back to the show. It's your host, Emily Reagan. I'm so excited for you to be here. We are in the middle of a summer series where we're bringing back-to-back freelancers who are sharing their journey, their trials and tribulations, and digital marketing tricks, tactics, strategies that are going to help us do our jobs. Today, I have Kristen Espionar to teach us about podcast strategies. She's helping you get that podcast downloaded. That way, you can see big results in your funnels, get more lead generation, right? And then maybe even start making money with your podcast when you can get sponsors. So Kristen and I had a strategy session a while back, and I wanted to invite her on the show to share what she had taught me. I have managed podcasts before. I've helped Jennifer Allwood with hers. I helped her launch hers, ran hers for a couple years. I've helped Wendy Batten with some of hers. And doing it for yourself is a little bit harder. And I admit, like, do some things wrong and forget to do it for myself, right? Cobbler's kids. But Kristen helped me get back on track, taught me some good tricks. One of the things I wasn't doing was just keeping track of my stats and my downloads and just paying attention to that data, not just hitting publish and crossing your fingers and hoping that it gets downloaded. So today, this is going to be really good for you if you're a virtual assistant, social media manager, if you're already a podcast producer or manager, or you want to get into that kind of work the promotion part of a podcast is just as important. So listen up. This is going to be a good one. It's going to make you look like a rock star. We're going to fill up your unicorn toolbox with podcast marketing strategies. Let's dive in. Hey, everyone. Welcome to our anti-podcast show today, and we're talking about podcasts. I have Kristen Espionar here to talk about podcast marketing strategies to help you and your clients get their podcast, uh, seeing more downloads, really. So Kristen, say hello. Tell everyone where you're from, what you do. Yeah. So hey, thank you so much for having me on your show. This is so much fun. My story is a little bit different. So I've kind of lived all over the world. I grew up in Montana. But I spent um, many years living and teaching abroad where I gained my expertise, which is in teaching ESL and exam preparation. So my main business is an exam preparation business for international students who need to pass a certain exam in order to go to Canada or Australia or study abroad. And it's a really cool topic that I know a lot about and people need. So it was kind of perfect for starting my podcast. And um, when I started my business, I started my podcast and I did not know what I was doing. I just <laughs> did it because everybody said, oh, start a podcast. And, yeah, and I didn't want to do a blog. I definitely did not want to do YouTube with all of the like editing and like how you have to be on and beautiful and perfect all the time. I was like, <laughs> that's too much. So I was like, okay, let me do this um, podcast. And I literally thought like, let's see if people you know, want to hear what I have to say. And that was really the only expectation that I had. I saw that people did want to hear what I had to say. 
And when I saw that it was growing and that it was catching traction, I then began to apply a lot of different marketing tips, marketing strategies really to grow it. And um, it's pretty successful. So today I just checked, it's at 327,000 downloads. Yeah. So um, it's growing quite a bit and it's doing awesome. And of course, I'd love for it to, you know, keep growing. But one thing I've done is focus a lot on it and do a lot of marketing strategies. That's what I've applied to it. And I didn't have a lot of money either. So the tips I'm going to share today are for people on a budget. There's some money tips, but not too many. So how long has your podcast been running now? So I started it in June, 2018. So going on almost three years now. Oh, that's amazing. And is your background in education? Like what was Yeah. Well, yes. So actually I moved abroad because I wanted to, my first big life goal was to learn a second language and I wanted to learn Spanish. So I was traveling and it was so expensive. And a friend of mine said, why don't you just teach English? So I was like, okay, let's let's do that. And then I found out that I really like it. I had a great mentor, so I learned how to do it well. I ended up doing my degree in applied linguistics. So then I had this background in how we learn language, our first language and our second language. And I also began doing official assessment for exams like TOEFL. So I began to get a lot of expertise in this area. And so it was really natural for me to share that. Um, and I also love doing it. I love helping students with academic English and um, making the leap from where they're at to being successful at in university and you know their future lives. So that was my background. And then the podcast really helped to make me an expert in my field publicly. Yeah. Yeah. So were that there, was my goal. Okay. When you started your podcast, were there other podcasts with the same topic or were you kind of blazing a new trail? Like what was the the scene like? Yeah. So there was only a few. I think there was probably like eight or 10 and there's still not that many. I mean, it's not like competing on YouTube or anything like that. <laughs> um, one big thing that I did was I put like my exam is IELTS. So I put IELTS in the title. So people, anyone that was like, let me find a podcast related to IELTS. I was super easy to find basically. Okay. And that was, you just dropped a big tip right there. And this is the tip that you gave me as well in our (laughs) podcast strategy session was naming your podcast. Like, go ahead and tell everyone your tip here. So you use the phrase that people are searching, the test they need to take, which is an acronym very specific to your audience. And that is in your podcast title. Yeah. So what I would do is think about when you're naming your podcast, I would think about what are people are going to search for. So like if I were to look up, you know, marketing or virtual assistance, like that's what I'm going to look for. Right. So you want to do a little bit of research. If you don't know what those keywords are, find out what people are searching for. Maybe do like an interview with uh, potential clients and kind of see like what language they would use to look for. And I would try to highlight and get one of those keywords in your title, if not then in a tagline, because that's going to make you more searchable, even if you don't have any downloads and, and Apple is not promoting you. Yeah, that is so good. And this is the tip we do for Pinterest boards. Like so many clients, when we first start with them, will have like the cutesy titles for their Pinterest boards. And it's all about SEO. It's all about using the exact words and the exact phrases people are searching and putting that as your board title. And you're saying the same thing as with podcasts, which we I see lots of cutesy podcast titles. 
And that works well for people who have a big name. But if you look at some of the most basic podcasts, not basic, some of the top, like in my world, online marketing podcasts, they all have that. They all have that in their title in one form or another. So yeah, totally gold. And I had my podcast, what is Unicorns Unite, right? So I take a lot of these Facebook lives and we turn them into episodes and I do some single episodes with just me as well. But I didn't have... VA in the title or freelancer or service provider. So that was one thing you had told me, like, fix that, Emily. <laughs> so we can find you. So I did. It's yeah. my tagline now. Oh, good. Oh, good, yeah. good. Well, I did a lot of podcast interviews with people with podcasts, and you're not the only one. Most people do like the cutesy title, like you said, which is nice, but you want people to find you. And the algorithm for podcasts is totally different from the algorithm for YouTube or Google, but it's still you still have to think of what people are searching for because it's not necessarily just going to pop up unless they're looking for you. So if they look for IELTS, you know, there's going to be like all the other podcasts that pop up as well, but then you will pop up too, if you're related to IELTS or your topic, when people are listening to those other ones. So you want to have that relationship and there's not that much you can do with the algorithm because it's not like Google, which is a positive and a disadvantage. But I would say the biggest thing to do would be make sure you have that in your title. So that would be the first. Yeah, Tim. Okay, I want to go back to why you started a podcast in the first place and just talk a little bit about that. Because I feel like I hear people who want to do it, delay it, delay it and never do like, what do you think is holding them back when it comes to not starting a podcast? And why do you think why were you so open to it? Because I heard you say not YouTube, not a blog. So tell me a little bit about that. Well, I think it's kind of in human nature to delay things. Um, I think it's mostly personality. And it seems like most people don't really want to take action unless they know that something is going to succeed. There's not a lot of people that are really willing to take a lot of risks. I'm totally a risk taker for the good and the bad. And so for me, it was really easy to start. I was just like, "Mm, let's see. But when I go to podcast conferences, when I talk to other people, there are so many people at the conferences that have not started a podcast. Or like I joined um, a podcast meetup group and I was the only one with a podcast. And I was like, isn't this the podcast meetup group? (laughs) No way. (laughs) Yeah. And everybody was like, oh, I'm going to start one. Like, so I would say eight out of 10 people that have thought of starting a podcast, they're, they're just like sitting on the idea, which it's, I think, you know, it depends how good your idea is. So if you are not clear on your idea, then sit on it, right? Because you're not ready to launch it. But if you have a very niche topic that serves people, that gives value, that's solving a problem or telling a story. You know, there has to be a reason why you're doing that podcast because you have to think about the listener. I I also think people often just get up and say like, oh, well, I want to talk about this, but they're not thinking about the listener. And podcasting is really all about the listener, in my opinion. So make sure that you have something of value and make sure that your idea is super clear and super niche and it's going to solve a problem. And when you have that, then don't hesitate, just go for it because it could succeed. It could fail. It actually doesn't matter. What matters is that you took action to go towards that goal and then you learn from it. Yeah. Oh, so good. And I don't, it, it definitely keeps people stuck. Like the tech is scary. Putting themselves out there is scary. I can totally relate to this. You know, my story, my story was a little different. I went from not wanting a podcast <laughs> to like 
spam in four weeks, like launched one. Thank God for my team and my podcast editor. But I saw, I saw when I was pitching some of my clients that summer, the power of having that in my network. And I was already creating this content inside my Facebook group. And I knew that I could serve more people if more people could listen and find it. And so I had to get over myself for a little bit, but I was like the, the rare, like anti-established, <laughs> anti-establishment, you know, podcaster there, but it's changed my business. It's helped so much and it helps me work through my messaging. It's helped with offers, like people getting into my funnel. And then it's helped me get on other podcasts and increase my visibility. And the number one thing, which you said earlier, was like position myself as an authority in this industry, in this realm. And a podcast really says that. So if you're somebody or you have a client that's just like kind of thinking about it, like Kristen and I are encouraging you to go for it for sure. And it's okay if it's messy a little bit at the beginning, like you have time, you have time. And the purpose of this interview is to help you once you start getting that going and get over that hump. Uh, Kristen and I have talked about how important it is to promote it afterward. I feel like a big, there's a big hump at the beginning to just get started. But in order to avoid the pod fade, you know, your podcast from fading into oblivion, you have to like keep nurturing it. And this is a lot of work. So I would love to know your best tips when it comes to getting more downloads, getting more listeners and all of that. So I'll start by telling you a story. Okay, so when I started, I didn't know if I was doing well or not, because there was like no measuring stick, really. Um, It turns out I was doing pretty good to start, but I had no idea until I went to a podcast conference and there um, uh, Libsyn was there and they were speaking. So Rob from Libsyn was speaking and he gave kind of like the measuring stick. So he said, like, if you're at, I think it was like, the average is below like 800 downloads per episode, like 50% of all podcasts are under 800. If you're like at 800 and between 800 and, you know, I think it's 1100, you're around, you're above that 50%. At 1100, you're in the top 20%. At 3000, you're in the top 10%. At 5000, you're in the top 1%. And what this did was give me a measuring stick. I all of a sudden knew where, and right then I was at 800 downloads per episode. So I knew, oh, wait, I'm like about to push through. And so that gave me like the energy, the momentum to go for it. And without that measuring stick, I would have just been like, are people are really listening? I don't know if I'm really seeing results. So yeah, like when you talk to a podcast, you're you're just, you're like talking to the world, but they're not talking back. So at that point, I was like, okay, let me start trying to grow it and try to do different things. And around the same time, I was also like, let me, you know, I wanted to take my first break. Um, and we went on a trip somewhere. And I was like, well, I want to keep growing the podcast without doing it. So I started experimenting with audiograms, which is also something I'd kind of heard about at the podcast conference. So with the audiogram, if you don't know what it is, you just take like a 59 second bit of your podcast, don't go over 60, because then Instagram won't accept it. So do 59 seconds, make just a little uh, graphic, and I would say make it simple in case you want to turn it into an ad later. And then you you use headliner for free and you can make like an audio, like a visual audio thing and uh, post it as a Facebook post, um, which you can later turn into an ad or even boost it, which most people don't boost, but that's what I did. So 
I made a bunch of audiograms from kind of my best episodes. I made like five or six of them. Then I didn't target an audience or anything because I was just starting. And all I did was like boost the ads. And then I also, I turned them into ads. I boosted the posts. Um, and then I also shared them with like a bunch of, I spammed a bunch of groups with it, which allowed spamming. And in the time that I took a break, I actually doubled my downloads. So um, I was getting like 200 downloads a day before. And then after I started, I was getting 400 downloads a day only through boosting audiograms. And I spent like $15 a week, maybe for like five weeks. I didn't do anything crazy. Did you boost to your current Facebook audience or were you doing like friends of friends? Do you remember what you did? Yeah, I think I just um, boosted to the Facebook audience because at that time it was also really easy to get um, followers. Like I had like 15,000 followers like that and and that's not happening now. So that algorithm was different then. So I boosted to them, but I also shared to all the IELTS groups and I just spammed them, which not all groups let you do that, but I didn't. And um, at the same time, it was giving free content. And now if I do that, it's a little bit more sophisticated. I'll create like a Facebook ad with a targeted audience and you could run it, you know, if you want to spend some money, you could run $5 a day. You could run it a couple times a week um, or a couple times a month, just whatever your budget is. I would never spend that much on it, but you could spend as much or as little as you want. And I do see results because it's driving people directly back to your podcast and it's an engaging type of ad. Yeah. And I'm glad you said that because I think a lot of people discount that Facebook ads for podcasts. But if you went just to um, Amy Porterfield's Facebook page right now and looked at the ads she's running, a good chunk of them are to her podcast because mm. that is generating leads for her. It's probably her best content or it might be some of the most recent as well. But each of those podcasts has an opportunity for some kind of content upgrade. Like she's collecting emails through there. She's collecting through the pixel, right? So she can retarget those people. So it's like working for you. It's just not the typical lead we see where you're like, put in your email right now and get this thing. So I have been meaning to do this for my own business and I have not since we talked. So I'm glad you're reminding me of this because I know that it's a quick way to get in front of the right audience. And I don't know, it's just, it makes so much sense when you're looking to like get those downloads fast. I mean, if you think about Amy Porterfield, like when you first hear of Amy Porterfield, somehow you find her, you get on her podcast and you're like, this is amazing. And then you go through her journey, right? Like you don't buy her products right away. You're in it for like a year. And then you're kind of finally like, oh my God, I need DCA. I I have $2,000 now to spend that you didn't have (laughs) the year before. Right. So that's probably her strategy, right? That's the top of her funnel. So she's getting people to the top of her funnel. And this is something I was going to talk about as well. When you get them in there, your best content is then increasing the no like and trust factor. And, you know, it could, it depends on what your sales cycle is. If it takes a longer time, um, like hers, I, I bet her sales cycle, really that journey is like a year before people are really like, okay, I'm ready for this. My sales cycle is much quicker because people are taking the exam in like three months, but okay. it's still getting them in. And then it's, presenting you as the person that they can trust the expert it's increasing the no like and trust factor and that soon they're going to be like this is the person for me if your content is good if you are delivering real value and that of course is a little bit tricky because you want to be very clear on what you're keeping for sale and what you're keeping what you're giving yeah. away for free oh my so. gosh 
hard part sometimes in our business, especially for somebody like me that wants to over deliver, but yeah, keeping that separate and, but also reminding people what that offer is in the podcast. Like what is that chance for a content upgrade to get that email and putting your paid offers in there too. So yeah, this is so good and so helpful. And uh, what else do you have for us when it comes to promoting? Sure. Okay. I've got a couple of notes. So let's see. Uh, Okay. So one thing that I want to talk about, we talked a little bit about SEO, but I think that you also, this is a lesson that I learned was like SEO is actually really important beyond the podcast, because unless you're creating podcast titles, which are like SEO optimized, which I don't necessarily recommend, I create titles which are based on surveys from students. So I'll create titles based on their struggles and their pain points. And those are not SEO optimized. And also like, you know, they're more like email um, headline click type ones, you know, it's not like I did a bunch of research and then wrote like one based on SEO. So there's really a gap between your titles and SEO. And it's not going to show up in Google unless you do something else. So I would say you don't have to do this right now. It's a gradual process. So as you get more into the process of, you know, really being a podcaster and really growing it, then I would say, consider doing a blog. And I would say the blog is not going to be the same thing as your podcast. So don't repurpose it. A lot of people think like, oh, I can just repurpose, but it's not going to meet those SEO requirements. So I would say do just a little bit of research on what SEO means and how to make like an epic blog post. And I would say identify the themes that you're talking about. So in my podcast, I talk about vocabulary, writing, and speaking. And to be honest, I'm just starting with this as well. I'm you know, I've not devoted the time to it that I need to, and that's okay. I'm just doing what I can do. But yeah. <laughs> I've done uh, the speaking part, and you should see the amount of organic traffic now that I have coming to my website to the speaking. And then in the speaking epic blog post, I embed all my podcast episodes. So I'm basically backlinking to myself, which is really important for SEO. And it's also driving people back to the podcast. So everything that you do, you need to always be driving back to the podcast. I think a lot of people will drive like, oh, I've got my Facebook Live, or I did a YouTube, or I have an Instagram page. If you want to be a podcaster and you want to grow it, you've got to have everything circle back into that funnel. Because like we said with Amy, that's probably the top of her funnel and that's how it should function. So you want to always be driving people back. If they find you on Google and they look at your article, you want them that just to be kind of like the tip of the iceberg and for them to learn more by getting into your podcast, learning how amazing you are, everything that you have to say, how much they want to work with you. And then again, they can click on your freebie, your masterclass, whatever you're selling inside of your podcast as well. So you have to remember it's a cycle and you have to keep driving back into that circle. Oh, this is so good. So I am actually really good about this. I 100% believe in blogs. I've seen it work for my clients. I started my blog. Oh, I think we're getting close to two years now, but I am just now starting to see that return because SEO is a long-term game. So any opportunity to add a podcast or like we're very aware of when a podcast comes out, like where would it fit in a past article and updating that, which is good for SEO anyway. But yeah, that's so good to remember. Like it's like this constant wheel of content and you've got to remind people about the podcast. And what you're saying is like, it doesn't have to be a blog based hundred percent on that podcast, but the podcast can 
be attached to it or relevant in some form or fashion, right? Is that is that what you're saying? Are you saying do a blog solely about that episode? Yeah, no, I would. Yeah, I would say don't do a podcast for every episode. I would say, or I mean, a, a blog for every podcast episode. I would say identify the themes that you talk about in your podcast, and then do like one big blog post for each of those themes. So, okay. if my blog post is IELTS speaking, if that's one of my themes, what I will then do is a little bit of SEO research, make a SEO optimized title, and then I will make an amazing blog post very super long and I will add I'll have like okay pronunciation da, 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 and then I'll link to my pronunciation episodes and then maybe grammar for speaking and then I'll link to those episodes and then at the end I'll just link to every single one of my speaking episodes and in the middle I may also take like um the podcast player embed code and put that in there so it kind of looks cool like a cool not just a link but a cool like listen here yeah. Um, and then also drive to maybe do like a funnel to like a, a low ticket offer that you have or something like that inside of there. So it, you can kind of create that as your, your funnel and you're giving free stuff away that's showing your knowledge, but it, you're also starting to embed other little funnels there. So yeah. that's what I would do. And I get a lot of hits per day, just it's all coming there. So you see that it's showing up and that showed up like number three on Google. And so oh, just a okay. Yeah. So just a little bit of research um, and then making sure it's not those exact titles because those titles are probably not SEO optimized. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I really see this when I'm doing content marketing It's kind of a cross between having like your cornerstone content, but also like a landing page to like send people to the right next step. So I like what you're saying. And this is not something I'm doing, although we have it on like the, you know, long-term plan. (laughs) Um, but you're, but you also say to, don't you put the podcast on a page on your website too? Aren't you doing that on top of this? Well, yeah. I mean, I do have like a podcast page. Blog, like kind right. of, it's blog more or less. Yes. But okay. it's, a, it's not a blog because I use Kajabi. And so Kajabi oh, is a page and the pages do not show up in their sitemap. So it's a okay. lot harder to get SEO running. The only thing that really shows up in the sitemap is the blog. So I've had arguments with people about this on podcasts or Kajabi websites, but I've discovered my pages are not going to show up even if they're really SEO optimized as well as they're going to show up in a blog. So I don't think you could easily make a very nice podcast page inside of the blog. So I do have a podcast page. I do send people to it, but it does not get as many hits as anything else. So it's really just there to be like, go to my website and to just get people to my website. And then, you know, you have other things popping up that it can drive them around. But the um, blog post that is SEO optimized is in the blog and that does show up on Google. Hey, this podcast is sponsored by my very own GIF and sticker making workshop. Turn your clients' videos into GIFs, design branded stickers for Instagram stories, and master the art of making your own GIF for promo emails. This is fun unicorn magic that we can do behind the scenes easily for our clients. The workshop is one hour, just $17.99. The link is in the show notes or go to emilyreaganpr.com slash GIF workshop. That's G-I-F workshop. Back to the show. Okay. So when you're telling your listeners to go listen to a specific episode, which link are you sharing? So if it's on 
Instagram or on Facebook. And if it's the link of the week, I'll just send them to that podcast page on my website because I want to drive them to the website. I don't think that they really listen to it there. Inside of the podcast, or, you know, if I'm doing a live stream or something that like that, or a masterclass, I'll say, you can listen to my podcast anywhere that you listen to podcasts, right? And I'll point it out Spotify or iTunes or whatever, or you can go to my website, christmaspinar.com forward slash podcast. So I really don't care where they're going. If it's on the ad, I may experiment. So I may send it to the podcast page on my website. I may try to send it to the Libsyn one because it looks really nice and it's searchable. And I think it's more user-friendly. So what I would do is experiment and see where it gets you and think about your goal. Do you want them just to listen or are you really driving them to your website and how user-friendly is your website for your podcast? Yeah, I feel feel like people don't really. And then that brings me to my third point, which is Spotify. So a lot of people listen on Spotify. And one of my favorite tricks that I learned is making a Spotify list of your themes, right? Yeah. Spotify list of speaking, Spotify list of writings, best of my podcast, right? Whatever it is. And then you can, you could send them to that. So if your podcast ad is uh, an ad for speaking, then you could send them to the podcast ad or the podcast Spotify link. If you wanted to, you could send them to the specific link from Libsyn. That's where I do it. You could send them to your podcast page. They may have to kind of look for it. But those podcast playlists are super cool because you can post them anywhere. You can answer questions in Quora. You can answer questions on Facebook. You can answer questions, you know, anywhere that you would answer questions for free. When people come to my site and they want free resources, I'll send them to a um, a free playlist and I'll put them inside of nurture sequences, emails, anywhere, because it seems like a gift. I kind of present it that way. Like, oh, I made this playlist for you. Yes. And people love it. And it's increasing the downloads. Okay. So one of the, the client services I do right now, Kristen, is quiz funnels. And on each of our results pages, you know, based on what your answers are, we give a lot of like good information for different clients, but we take them through the journey in a very long page. And at the end, one of our tricks is to have something like customized and it, sometimes we do playlists. I'm like, this would be perfect for my clients that have a podcast already. And I'm like already thinking about like, we should go back and fix this for so-and-so and so-and-so. Cause I think that would be so good. It could solve that pain point, like based on where that person is right there in their journey or use this Spotify playlist that's customized in the nurture sequence. So I am so going to do this yeah. for my own quiz. <laughs> that's a really great idea because I've seen some awesome quizzes. Have you seen Bobby Clink's quiz? He does the most engaging quiz where he'll like do like, I, I did one about emails, like what kind of emailer are you or something? And then um, his response after you finish it, he pops up as like a little video And he totally just like calls you out. You're this because of this. Here's your solution. He gives a lot of value in that. But at the same time, like you're saying, that's a perfect place to be like, this resource is what you need. So I'm identifying that you're having problems with vocabulary. Try this playlist. And every time that you do that, it's going to link back to you, drive people back into your funnel, back into the know, like, and trust. And it's going to be kind of like a free, extra, organic, you know, 
ahead. So I think that's the trick, putting it in all these tiny little places so that all of a sudden, all these people are coming to you from so many places and you have no idea where because it's so many that you kind of saturated yourself. And yeah. when, when people say like, I don't know where to put it, it's like, put it everywhere and then you'll be everywhere. <laughs> Oh my gosh. It was funny you brought up Bobby. A, well, AR quiz results are like that too. Like try to, you know, serve with the results and have it very detailed and thorough. But cool. I first discovered Amy Porterfield through Bobby okay. in a podcast episode about the GDPR changes because yeah. I was searching for solution with all of the email changes that were coming out with the GDPR. For some of you who don't know, like Europe changed some rules about how you market with emails and what you have to disclose. And it was like stressing everybody out. I'm like, I just need one like quick resource to listen to or learn. And it was really easy to just listen to a podcast. So from that, like I got familiar with both of them. Like <laughs> That's just like the power of podcasting, but it came from searching for specific pain point too, which I thought okay. was interesting. So yeah, yeah. Uh, so any other tips? Like, uh, have you found like, do you have any Pinterest strategies for podcasting? Have you found that works at all? Or do you have you explored that? I haven't explored it this summer. I thought about it real hard. I went and got like a little Pinterest video, like a course, and I tried to you know, get into it. It's just for me, it's like the extra step that I'm not ready for. So, you know, it's like with the podcasting, it starts small. Like my first commitment that I made to myself and the best advice I got was uh, just commit to doing it once a week and being consistent. So um, don't do it like, you know, one week and then the next week not, and then show up like three months later, just commit to showing up for one episode every week. And so that's what I did. I decided Tuesdays are going to be my day. This is it. And I've done an episode almost every week and you know, it becomes a commitment to yourself, right? I have to get my episode out. And it's a small commitment because it's not that big of a deal. Mine are only 15 minutes. It's not a big deal. I do it. But as you begin to grow, it can become overwhelming. It can become like a job, right? And then, so for me now, I have um, a VA doing a lot of work for me and a lot of the like small things that I was doing by myself and it was taking all this time. Um, But right now, Pinterest is just not on my list, but it will be in the future. I think it could definitely be using like the same sort of techniques. Yeah, I think I think it would be a good next step for you. And I know a lot of the women from my course and students would probably offer this service already or could think to add it to their podcasting clients because Pinterest is just something we don't have time to touch. But it's uh, free, you know, it's a search engine. People are finding content based on their questions and their pain points. So definitely something to consider. I had a client who was a pretty big deal and she had a DIY blog and then added the business podcast. So it was really hard to make her Pinterest switch because it wasn't, you know, it was out of line alignment, but we still did it. And I still think, you know, with the changes in how Pinterest is, it's evergreen content. So I think it would be good. But I want to go back to your question about showing up consistently. So we have this problem in the VA world where we um, have to hold our clients' hands. And a big part of what we do is like getting them to show up consistently in the background, like get all the tasks going every week with content, emails, blogs, social media. And one of one of the pieces of content is podcasting. So I had a question from one of my students and she wondered, what are the best ways to promote a podcast when your client isn't consistent recording and releasing episodes? 
So what, like, what could she be doing when the client isn't releasing? And then to follow up on that question, do you have any advice to help her stay better on top of her client and be encouraging? <laughs> Get her. To- yeah. So the first one, I would say, use that audiogram strategy, just like I did. So do like a best of, right. And then create a set of audiograms. And if they're willing to run ads and run ads to those, because then you'll still be creating content. Um, you can post it on your Facebook. You can even post it. Like I use restream and, um, you can set it up like it goes live. So like if we had this, you know, and you had it pre-recorded, and then like, you didn't want to do some content later, you could just save it, upload it, and it would act like it's live and which is super engaging as well. But I would say use that thing where you've got your your resource and for the VA, you know, have your Google folder filled with things that you can use when the person is not being consistent. And probably in terms of talking to them about it, I would say like, encourage them to make a database of reserve episodes. So if there are any sort of interviews that they can do or different things that they can talk about, record a few of them, keep them in, you know, your folder for the time that they are not feeling like it, they can't do it. But I would also say you want to create systems. What I do is I create like a whole system for kind of a launch period. So if your client is selling something, then you want to encourage them to create like a whole strategy for it. So what are they selling? When are they going to launch it? What's the open date? What's the close date? Um, And then kind of back up and help them create that plan and include all the things that you need to, the pain points, the objections, the mindset blocks, the teaching, you know, all the different types of topics. Those are what I go through. And I do that brainstorming session. So you might want to encourage a time to set up a brainstorming session, encourage a time to create like a schedule. So we're going to release this and this and this. You can do some um, pitching for them where you pitch to guests, where you pitch your podcast to them. And then once you do that, it's like you make that commitment. And when you have that commitment, you have to follow through. So one thing that I do is I'll try to batch all my content for my VA, but sometimes it's like Monday night and I haven't made it yet and it's not batched. My batching is done. And she's like, Kristen, where is it? So I can create the audiogram. And I'm like, sorry, but it makes me... (laughs) It makes me say, well, I can't leave her hanging, you know, let me get to this. So it creates like a system that keeps me accountable. So I think more the biggest amount of systems that you can create, which are manageable and where you maybe have to handhold them through it. That's what I would do because that's going to be the way to success and it's going to be the way to scale as well. I really liked your idea about the content plan, which I used to be a newspaper editor. So I'm all about like, having like a plan for what's coming up and being prepared, but also being able to like accept what's coming or, you know, what's changing, what's hot, what's, what do we need to cover uh, with urgency? But I like to have a plan and I have had that client who fights me on that, that I don't work for anymore. <laughs> like, but I feel like when I, there's an opportunity here, if you can extract their content or like their own ideas, they said they were going to do and help them like form a loose plan, help them even script out some of it or outline some of that. Cause it can be really daunting. Cause it's not just like you sit down and report. So maybe taking over more of the process Or helping hire somebody to write the scripts might make it easier on her. But it's hard because we know how how much consistency is a factor in this online business with all the algorithms like for showing up and earning trust with your audience. So it's really frustrating when you're the behind the scenes and trying to help somebody and they don't seem to 
it's not that they don't care, but they're just pulled in so many directions. So I, you hit the nail on the head with the systems. It always lights my fire knowing that my team is waiting on me and I don't want to disappoint them. And my podcast editor says I need it seven days ahead of time. Yes. So yeah. Today. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Catch at it. I have four in the can, but I'm like, all right, all right, I got to do it. It's like my big goal today. Like, just got to get them done. <laughs> and batching is a big deal too, because that can really save your time. So if you sit down and do like a brainstorming session, so I do, um, I'll do a lot of surveys. I always pull from my surveys when I look at pain points or questions that students have, but I'll also pull from like what I think they need, like um, maybe things that I want to train on, things that I think are helpful, but also things that I think are going to keep them from buying. So objections or, you know, things that are like keeping them from going down that journey. And I'll make sure it's like a mix of things and also maybe something about myself. When you do that, it's actually kind of easy to to plan out like 10 episodes and maybe create a template for your um, podcast host of what to do. Because like you said, a lot of people don't know how to do content and they'll just talk and talk and talk and talk. And it's not that great. But I think my background as a teacher helped me know how to structure content. So it makes it engaging. But I would say always have a certain content that you have. Like, what do you do in your intro? I like to do a hook, right? I like to kind of like catch them in some sort of way with a question or a fact or, you know, something engaging. And then you have your training points and you make sure to go over those. Uh, Before that, I would do a call to action, do a call to action afterwards. Um, So if you could make a template for them, that makes it easier. That might help them kind of get through the process because that is a little bit laborious. But what I would do is like take a data plan, take a data write, take a data record. And you could do just one, like one day once per week when you have time. So your commitment ends up being just like once a week to do it. And then it's getting into that system again. Yeah, that's probably exactly what's happening there. And um, it's hard. It's hard to do. I find that with my own podcast. Like sometimes I'm like, whoa, didn't I just record all of these? And it's like time again. Um, Maybe that's a little bit of COVID life right now. It's like the (laughs) days and weeks are blending together. But yeah, they need need you to stay on top of them. Like business owners just do. So do you have any Um, other tips for promoting? Well, let me just tell you the one last thing that I do to avoid that. When I create a plan, like I will create through the launch period and then I do one more because you never want to record after a launch (laughs) and then you're like exhausted. So I get myself through that week and then I start that cycle again. Okay. That's good. Yeah. I would say that's actually saves me (laughs) a lot. But yeah, so I, I mean, really, I think that those are my biggest uh, tips. I will summarize them for you. So I would say, don't be afraid of audiograms. You can do them for free. You know, they're obviously something that you can do in Facebook um, and Instagram just to keep your feed going, but don't be afraid to also use them as ads and um, don't be afraid to target your ads. I would say spend a lot of time working on creating that audience um, inside of your ads. And we know that the algorithm that the Apple thing is going to change, but Audiences are super important. So create a targeted ad towards an audience. Um, Do whatever you feel like you can afford whenever you feel like doing it. I also do bonus episodes uh, whenever I'm in a launch and that definitely increases downloads. Um, Create your system. So if someone comes into your 
podcast through a freebie, make sure they then get into a nurture sequence and somewhere in that nurture sequence, you're giving them like a Spotify playlist or sending them back to more podcast content, which is going to be valuable for them and is related to why they joined that list. Use Spotify because Spotify is super cool and people love Spotify and it it seems like you made these special little links for you. And also don't forget about SEO. Pay attention when you're creating your podcast, pay attention to the name. And when you can, when you have the energy for it, because we it is hard to just do everything all at once, especially if you're not making a ton of bank off your podcast right away, blog when you can on the, those themes and do like those cornerstone blog posts, like you said, I call them epic blog posts and make sure that you're linking back to yourself because that's going to pay off in two or three years when all of a sudden you have all these backlinks already that you basically created yourself. Yeah, that's so good. This list is so good and so helpful. And as we're talking, I thought of one other strategy that I saw my clients struggle with is once you've had a guest on your show, reminding them that oh. their episode is live, sharing the links and getting them to tap into their audience. Wow. Because so many times we do all the front work and then the back end, we're just like, oh, and kind of just forget about it. So I even have a template to send out to my guests. You're going to get one when your your episode goes live and it's going to share a couple different ways you could promote it. It's going to share links. It's going to share graphics. And that will help when you share it with your audience for people who might want your podcast strategies will come back and listen here. So don't forget to follow up with the oh, guests. Yeah, that's why you're doing it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I have a whole system for that. Um, and my VA starts off that system, but we will make an audiogram for them. We'll make like a Google folder. It's got the embed code. It's got links. I used to do a blog post. Now I don't because it's too much time. But if you have the bandwidth, that's great. And I also send them like a thank you for this episode. And I kind of say in like a nice way, we expect you to promote it. And we'll be sending you this on this day. And this is when it's going to go live. And then I have my VA send out the folder like a few days before. So we give them the tools to do it. And we do kind of say like, hey, we do expect you to promote this. So <laughs> so that helps. And just in talking about all this work that goes into a podcast, this is why I had you on this show. This is why I want my students listening. I actually have a podcast manager training inside my work group. I have a high level uh, membership that uh, working VAs can join where I kind of walk them through some of these processes and what it looks like on the back end, because there are so many little things when it comes to a podcast. And there is so much work in this area because every single business owner, once they start the podcast, they realize how much work it is. Like, And I'm not just talking about the editing. We're talking about the promotion and the planning and everything in between, scheduling the guest, following up with the guest. So there's a lot of work here if this interests you as a freelancer. And if you are a podcast yeah. host, there's no shame in getting help. <laughs> Not yeah. yeah. And I think those things become manageable with systems. So creating those systems really make it, you know, manageable. And it does, you know, if you kind of plan it out, you're doing it once a month, you have this task once a month, and then they all lead into each other. And then you have the systems, it does make it manageable. And I honestly created a bunch of systems. And now I have my VA do it. And I'm just kind of showing up live now. And it's, it's great. So those systems are what make it run smoothly. Oh, that's so awesome. I really like I recently uh, at the beginning of this year, nailed down my scheduling system. Although yours didn't work. And the guy last <laughs> 
or the person last week didn't work either. But just having that all automated where someone signs up and gets the interview reminder and the links and we're still kind of working that out now that we switched over to stream yarn and whatnot. But like that has saved me so much time because I was just like reaching out to people one-on-one. And, and what happened was when I opened up my schedule, which has been really hard with COVID for me to do, I just gave you the link. I'm like, go pick a date girl. And you know, you popped on and, and then I like closed it for like the summer. So that was just made it so much easier on me. And then my VA comes into the Facebook group, schedules the things helps promote them, schedules the audiograms after they've been created. So like the the system is a beautiful thing. (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) Yes, it really, it really is. And it's funny because I never thought I was good at those things, but I, this has made me very good at those things. (laughs) Good. I have to ask, what do you use? Do you use a project management tool at all? Are you in Google Docs or what are you using? So I make like a Google folder for my VA. When I finally said, like, this is what I want you to do, I created like a little Excel sheet and I said, okay, these are the weekly tasks, these are the monthly tasks. But she is amazing and she turned it into, I think she's using Asana right now. Um, First, she did Trello, which was pretty cool. But then she was like, no, I like Asana better. And then she just like popped it all into Asana and she's super way more organized than I am. And so she's got it just like bam, 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 bam. So I told her what to do. Then she did it and she streamlined it and made it way more organized. And even her Google like her Gmail, she's got like this little priority list on the side, her email so organized. So she knows all these tips that I don't know, but um, yeah. Is she she taking more clients? (laughs) Sounds amazing. This is such a good opportunity for you all to step up with your skill set. If you see like a better way to do things, like by all means, like don't be shy about it. Oh, you know what? I know it's time to get going. I have one more question for you. And I think this differentiates the VA who takes the marching orders versus the VA who goes above and beyond and quickly turns into a podcast manager. And a lot of it is in tracking your stats and reporting your stats. And you and I talked about how important this was. You talked about it at the beginning of the show, like having a goal and knowing what you're going for. What would be the best way for a VA to step up their game and help their podcast host clients stay up with the downloads and the goals and stuff? Yeah, so this is actually something that I would like, you know, my VA that would help me if my VA was like, let me help you with this. I would go through like I have Libsyn. And so and I pay for it's not that much, but I pay for the extra um, statistics, which is super useful. But I never go through them and like write them all down. I just every week I'll look at them. And so I kind of have it in my head and I know what's going on, but I don't like formally take it and put it into an Excel and like analyze it and all of that. Well, I did do that last year. My husband who loves Excel made me this Excel. So I was like, okay, let me do it. And it, and I identified everything that was important. So for me, the country downloads are the most important because there are some countries that are going to buy more for me than other countries. So that tells me a lot, like I can send and target these ads to like these three countries that are at the bottom that I want at the top. So actually gives me a lot more information. And then you can say like, okay, if I do this strategy, January, February, March, where those countries, and then let's say I start the, um, the ads for March, April, May, then we can see in May and see if those ads are actually working, if it's driving people to it, if it's increasing those downloads. So if she just like went and inputted that information for me each week, or each month, that would be really helpful for me. And if she said, oh, I took the time to look and it looks like this country's rising and this one is decreasing. And I think that this strategy worked, 
that would be amazing. And I don't, and the, the information's there. If you create an Excel and just put it in, it's not that much work. And then you can make strategic decisions based on your data. So what you just yeah. gave everyone is the gold. This is how you step up out of being a VA and turn into that ultimate manager and, you know, director, more or less, like on a business yeah. owner team. So the stats, the tracking, the analytics, and the reporting is really key in showing, I don't know, showing your skill set and your brain. So, and it's so helpful. And the content, I would say if you want to start becoming a project manager, then that what we're talking about with the content and batching and helping to identify themes like that is that's a project manager. You know, that is somebody that's going to help you identify that content. And yeah, you're talking about being a manager and uh, stepping up in that capacity with content. So that's like so good. This information, this information you gave today was amazing and so helpful. And I know it will help so many of our unicorns. I cannot thank you enough. And would you tell everyone where they can book a podcast strategy session with you? Sure. So like I told you before, my main business is helping students prepare for IELTS. And on the side, I do podcast consulting. And if you feel like, hey, I do want to step up my game a little bit and I want to learn a little bit more, I do give away about five free strategy sessions a month. So you can apply for one at kristinespinar.com forward slash growth. Um, and I'm sure Emily will link to that in case you don't know how to spell my name. <laughs> yeah, so I, it should be in the description. And if not, we'll make sure we add it. I did one of these sessions with Kristen a few months ago. It was amazing. And it just helps to have sometimes somebody outside of the bottle who can read the label and tell you what's going on and give you some insight. Because when you're working on your own baby, your baby looks gorgeous to you, <laughs> right? You need someone else to kind of tell you like what's what or like maybe how to dress up the baby so it's cuter. So that's probably <laughs> a terrible analogy, but the bottom line is you can't read the label when you're inside the bottle. So somebody like Kristen was so invaluable in giving me some ideas for my own podcast. So don't be afraid, click the link, sign up. And yeah, and I'm so happy to have you. Thank you so much. And I look forward to like chatting with you on the side and letting you know how my podcast improves over time, which I need to update you. So yes, I would love to. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun. All right. Take care. Okay. Bye. Right. I hope you learned a lot from Kristen. I encourage you to check out all of her links and her podcast in the show notes. You can also sign up for a strategy session. That link is also in the show notes. So connect with her. I love what she's doing. I see so many people launching podcasts. We know how important it is, but this marketing part of it is really what's going to prevent pod fade to get the podcast actually working for the business, generating those leads and generating money generating revenue from those leads as well, right? But ultimately, we don't want the pod fade happening. We don't want it to be something that just ends up being a big expense that is not being fully optimized. So Kristen was amazing. I'm so glad she came on the show to talk about that specifically. All right, next week on the show, I am so excited to bring another freelancer back. In this case, I have a Pinterest queen coming on the show to talk about the do's and don'ts of Pinterest. So we'll see you next week for that episode. Bye. If you're ready to learn the digital marketing and social media skills that will get you hired online, head over to vacrashcourse.com where you can learn about my five-week program, the Digital Media VA Crash Course. Small business owners and solopreneurs want to hire someone who gets it and who can help them implement just about everything. They're looking for a magical assistant who does it all. 
With my comprehensive training, you can get your foot in the door and become a unicorn. Check out VACrashCourse.com. What the heck? What the heck? Why is this happening? Oh, now, now Kristen's gone and she's gone. 